0: Welcome to Abstractable, I'm Ryan and with me is Lockie. The Abstractable podcast is for the entrepreneurial spirited amongst us and is a journey of us trying to dissect some of our favourite thinkers' ideas. Today we talk about the book American Kingpin by
1: Nick Bilton. And what do we discuss? Well, we discuss how Ross Ulbricht created one of the world's biggest drug empires within two years, only armed with a laptop. We talk about how the police worked together to catch this kingpin and multiple different agencies within the American government had to come together just to find this guy. And we also talk about the transformation of Ross from a mild-mannered college kid to the dread pirate Roberts, his alter ego. And why? Well, because it's a bloody interesting story. That's why. It's really one of the most fun books we've read in a long time and it also talks about one of the most unique and amazing true crime stories of our lifetimes. To find out more, well, you can find Nick Bilton um, on Twitter at, at Nick Bilton, and he's also a writer for the New York Times and Vanity Fair and has written two other books, Hatching Twitter and I Live in the Future, Here's How It Works. So don't forget you can find a full video from our episodes on YouTube or check out our show notes, including other books we mention and stuff from every episode on our website at abstractable.co. Lastly, if you enjoyed listening, well, we encourage you to buy the book and give it a read or a listen if you listen to audiobooks on Audible. And if you like the show, it'd mean a lot to us if you shared it with someone else. We hope you enjoy the episode. I think there's a bit of dust actually in the eye. Right, right. I'm recording, so
0: Yeah, I, I yours. The, I'm I'm already live, mate. We're already in. What? We're in the mix. Are we?
1: Okay. We're in. Oh <laughs> glad you told me. What if I'd said something? <laughs>
0: well that's what that's what we're all about, mate. Openness yeah. and transparency.
1: Raw honesty, that's good.
0: I've been uh, reading a pretty honest a pretty honest book uh, of late. Actually not reading, listening to in this case. Uh Shoe Dog. The story about Nike. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm going to re-listen before we record because I listened to it a few years ago and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Doesn't it make you want want... to go for a run? It does.
0: Funnily enough, when I first started listening to it, I wanted to go for a run. Uh, And I so much so that I went for a run. It takes a lot to get
1: me into more than a walk. So it must be inspirational.
0: It's a motivational book, and so it. But it portrays the, uh, it portrays the the good, the good character in the business world. You know, well, he's, he seems like a good guy. You know, he seems quite honest. He seems pretty, yeah. pretty straightforward. It sounds like he gets quite corporate towards the end, but he sounds like a good guy. Whereas yeah, he's just today's he just, just kind of gave idea,
1: it a go, didn't he? Like, a, yeah, he did. It's a pretty, from his account, uh, loose sort of operation for maybe twenty years. I reckon.
0: Yeah, this is the dawning of Nike. Very loose. Okay. Although, let's not let's not give too much away. This episode, mate. Let's save let's save it. And we've got someone someone less good to talk about today, which is that segue that you kept kept interrupting me on.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to have a conversation. Apologies for that. Uh, so, what are we talking about? There's a segue.
0: We are talking about the Silk Road or the actual book name is American Kingpin. Mm. Uh, but it's about the building of what's known or what was known as the Silk Road. Which was? Which was a black market or online black market marketplace. Um, where you could effectively buy and sell whatever you wanted uh, mm. was the was the founding philosophy for the. Did you
1: know site. anyone that uh, used this service?
0: That used the black market. Mm.
1: Obviously, no names. But uh, you know what? I I wouldn't be surprised if I did. Was it around? Did you hear about it? Talked about? Well,
0: it was it was definitely spoken about a lot back. Well, what was it? Probably 20, 2012-ish, somewhere around there. Ish, I think yeah. back, yeah, somewhere, 2011, 2013, I think was the, the period for the Silk Road. And so I, de- I definitely think that it was the topic of news for sure because it was almost like a daily report on what, what the Silk Road is doing from news reports because you need to be able to milk Milk as much as you can out of out of a story, uh, but there, but there was also there was also pr- some pretty some pretty pr- sad stories, particularly for uh, an Australian. Uh, some Australian high schoolers, I think, was a really big big case that or news case that came out out of the back of the the Silk Road. But we might it's, we might touch on that. We might touch on that later. Yeah,
1: yeah we, maybe we don't dive too far into it but yeah i certainly heard it getting bandied around and it, um, someone told me about it and they said oh well, you pay with this thing called bitcoin hmm. and i was like what the hell is that and they're like oh, "It's this it's this virtual currency i said oh whatever and then i got i actually got to be interested in it and started to look at it back then and one of um <laughs> one of the people who told me about this said oh I bought three of them
0: bought three oh, bitcoins
1: yeah they're a hundred dollars okay. oh what are they worth now mate uh 15 grand or something so it's pretty good return on equity return on investment so yeah I wish I'd kind of uh purchased some bitcoin when I heard about it but doesn't everyone say that so yeah it's the, it's the uh the what ifs hey indeed so without getting too far ahead about ourselves, it's kind of a, this book's kind of a story about one man's creation of this with a bunch of other, with a bit of assistance and how this kind of idea grew into this incredible business, really. Yeah. I, I, not, not not incredible necessarily, not necessarily a source for good, but an incredible no, you
0: business can do You can do like amazing things but amazing doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing uh, especially not when
1: you give it these
0: ones <laughs> yeah what is it uh what do, what do we call them Great day today yeah the air quotes. Air quotes. yeah yeah the air quotes uh so no but what was able to be achieved uh is actually quite incredible yeah uh, when 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 you think about it and when you look at kind of the operations and and what was involved so uh how about we start off with the man himself though so ross ulbricht so he was the he's now you know 36 years old so he's born in 1984 and he he is the man and he's the he's the do you call him the protagonist in this story i think he's still yeah, the protagonist
1: absolutely yeah yeah, I would.
0: Yeah, he's 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 the good guy in the story. Although he's, he's not necessarily a good guy out in uh, out in the world, and particularly 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 what he's up to at the moment.
1: <laughs> no spoilers.
0: <laughs> so Ross was a um, he was a Boy Scout when he was growing up. He grew up in Austin. He graduated with a bachelor of physics in two thousand and six, and then went on to Penn State University uh, to after he graduated, you know, from physics a physics degree into materials science and engineering, specifically crystallography. He it had a pretty hard. pretty he had a pretty like niche interest, and it's, by the sounds of all that, he was also very clever.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, I think he's he has to be a a very smart guy for sure uh, yeah after after you've read this a very idealistic person too I would say that he had a very strong streak about finding what was good in the world or what he thought um, you know his values were
0: yeah well he I think he was brought up so he's brought up in his family I think his family's relatively libertarian in their views and so when he was at uni doing his masters in particular his affiliation with libertarianism intensified and he yeah. joined he joined the libertarian cl- clubs and you know to and which meant that he went into all the debates and things you know debates against democrats dem- debates against republicans and by the sounds in the book the way they portrayed it he would win all these debates so what or he
1: what is a libertarian?
0: Yeah, well we 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 have a slightly um, we don't follow the same party structure in Australia, but they're they're the ones that look at economic non-interventionalism. So um, you know, basically the free market is 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 what that, that means to a degree. And and let ev- every man and his dog do as they wish. It's like, you know, for the individual. It's very much a for the individual perspective.
1: It reminds me of our Lessons from History episode where he says that the uh, the well-off always shoot for freedom, right? Mm. So I think it's quite a, there's a lot of billionaires that like this idea.
0: Yes. Mind you, at the time, he was very much not in that kind of, space of person you know he i it sounded like he didn't have any money at all whatsoever
1: no it didn't seem like he cared that much about money either from his living conditions and this sort of although his family seemed to be like a like a nice family you know just this kind of normal upbringing as far as you know like you could read from the book i thought
0: yeah, he specifically, mate. He he followed this guy named Ludwig von Mises' philosophy on libertarianism, which has that individualism element, but also has like an anti-imperialist element, where it's like you know not going to take over, just kind of keep things within the within the country or keep things within the you know whatever it is. And what what we kind of find out is this is very much. Oh, uh, at least I certainly think this is probably the most critical influence on his entire life. Uh, that, yeah. that ensued.
1: Yeah, he certainly wanted libertarianism as a cause for good. I thought, you know, he, he thought it would lead to a better society.
0: Correct. He was very like altruistic in his in his perspective. Like he just wanted yeah. to make he wanted to he wanted to make a big difference, and it was always with a perspective that he's going to like contribute something, contribute something big to the, to the, to the world. So yeah, nothing but good intentions, but that's how it all starts.
1: (laughs) This is a really fascinating, this is a massive part of this story is just how this eventuated from this person, you know? Yeah. Have
0: you, have you seen what he looks like?
1: Yeah. It's surprising. (laughs)
0: It is very surprising.
1: Uh, What what struck you, though?
0: He he, just—he—he looks like—I don't want to spoil the book, and maybe we get get back onto it later on. Uh, But, but basically, basically, he does not fit the like—he does not personify the person that he ends up becoming, Mm. uh, or that he's perceived to be you know, yes. by the time he's well and truly in the mix, you know, he's, he's, as I mentioned earlier, he's like, you know, he was a boy scout when he was growing up. He's quite, you know, keeps to himself to a, a great degree. You know, he's a, he's a physicist and you kind of start to paint a picture. I think he's you know, redheaded. I think he's quite skinny and it all, it doesn't quite mesh together what, you know, what that is and then what, what, what becomes. So he was, he was never, he never wanted to get into regular work so much so that I think he had one, one like part-time job in during his time at university that he basically got fired for cause he didn't, didn't show up or didn't do the job yeah, properly. Okay. I can't, I can't quite recall, uh, but he had very much had like the entrepreneurial spirit in him, mm. you know? And I think, I think he, he, was always, he was always wanting to move beyond that, you know, that tract, you know, use the air quotes again, that tracked life of, you know, jumping into the, for him it was going to be academia because he, he jumped into a physics PhD after completing his master's and uh, quit that and then moved into some day trading stuff. And, you know, discovering he he wasn't making any money. He, I think he's tried to start an investment fund and that didn't go so well. Then he started to make a video game and the video game was all centered around this libertarian view again. Um, But it was creating like a seasteaded society. What does that mean? Uh, uh, I believe it's where you... Where you try and establish like a society on the water, out in the ocean.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Like in, yeah. In international waters, sort
0: of thing. Yeah, inter- you know when you see yeah, like yeah. on on water rats or something, you know one of yeah, those yeah. like nine oh two one oh back in the nineties.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And you, you used to watch them go into the international waters and do the do the trades out there on the on the boats. Yeah. So it sounds like that's what he was trying for, but but maybe something a little bit more. Um, what's that movie? I think it's got Bruce Willis in it.
1: Oh, yeah. Waterworld. You're about Waterworld. That's, uh, that's uh, Kevin Costa, is it?
0: Kevin Costa.
1: <laughs> Couldn't could have been further off. Um, the, the Smokers are the bad guy from. There's a, yeah, there, that was a that's classic. From memory. Yeah. So that,
0: that's a sea society. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: So that's a good way to frame. I think that's a good way to frame it up.
1: Okay, look up
0: and all. World. And all, all they end up fighting over is oil, don't
1: they? Yeah, it's something like that. Far out. That's a long time ago.
0: <laughs> so he, um, and that didn't. That wasn't going so well because he could. not I don't think he could get much buy into people wanting to play play this particular game. Or you know, I'm not sure how how good it was. But but the idea behind that game was to. I think it was to like teach people about libertarianism and libertarian views and you're kind of role playing in this, this game. Right. And, and that's quite important for, for kind of subsequent steps in the journey. But, but essentially he went through all these things and there was many other little ideas and happenings along the way and, and they all essentially failed but he was trying. You know he was like just trying to find something that he could could do mm. and get his teeth stuck into he eventually found a it was a not-for-profit book company called good wagon books and they were an online bookseller and i think he basically went in there and uh, they weren't the greatest at running operations for a business and and other things. And, you know, I think with his kind of analytical process oriented mind, he was able to go in there and kind of turn it around. Uh, but it wasn't quite fulfilling his mission. So this is where the side project was born. And the side project was basically an online marketplace where you could buy or sell anything, which is what we mentioned earlier. Very
1: libertarian. It's
0: very libertarian.
1: The internet is a bit of a place where you, you know, it is somewhat, yeah, it's so decentralized. It's by its nature is somewhat libertarian, right? It's very true. Wild West.
0: I think I was going to say back, if you go back maybe 10, 15 years ago or something, it kind of felt like a Wild West to some degree. Like if you happen to like somehow stumble onto a, a website and accidentally click the wrong link or something, your whole computer just like might blow up, you know, (laughs) that's what it felt like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, And people didn't trust it, right? Like you would never put your credit card details or anything on the internet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's very, that's a very good point.
1: You'd always, you'd
0: always like, you'd always do like a phone, you know, a phone in or something or, you know, mail order the the money and,
1: i saw an interesting meme the other day it was kind of hit the nail on the head it was like it said you know 1999 and it's had like the the mum telling the kid you know don't trust anything on the internet don't give him your card details it's like fast forward to 2020 and the mum's like uh you know pirates pirate star six on facebook said that uh you know Five G is is killing us, and it was created by Bill Gates. You got to read this.
0: Five G's five G 5G caused COVID. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Isn't, isn't that the conspiracy?
1: Yeah, that's right. So think how well, things have it, changed.
0: <laughs> I was going to say probably in a few years' time, might like, she'll be trading bitcoins and yeah. using you know paying for her groceries with bitcoins or something or whatever <laughs> the the latest yeah. coin is. So we mentioned bitcoins earlier, and this was one of the fundamental building blocks for the for the website because bitcoins if as long as you don't like I put any of your identifying information with it it um, you're anonymous effectively do you do you know much about it right
1: Not enough to explain it properly, but um, effectively there's a way you can use it that makes you completely anonymous. That's pretty much mm. all you need to know.
0: Um, I think I think I think the only risk is when you, you there's a point at which you need if you want to, exchange those bitcoins for money, and that's where there can be like a, yeah, a security yeah. security kind of flaw because, hmm. somebody needs to get that money or something needs to get yeah. that money, but
1: but yeah, effectively it's the equivalent of cash. Well, past that point,
0: and it's and it's very much like a distributed. Thing so it's very libertarian in its you know in its in its founding. Mm. So he built he built the website using that as the means of transaction. This is very early on in the Bitcoin days, and he used uh, it was built on the dark net or the dark web, which is uh, also this like anonymous type space. Again, don't know any of this stuff, and it was built on the Tor browser, which was kind of encrypts everything that happens on it.
1: Yeah, which I think is essentially what the dark web is, right? You have to kind of know where to click into or password or whatever to find these particular places, but then everything's, you can't be traced effectively.
0: Mm. But it's because of, what it, you know, because of what it is, like it mustn't be that hard or there must be some really good like Google tutorials on it to get, oh, yeah. to get going. Okay. Because you, I can't, can't imagine some hard. of the people Yeah, some of the people that ended up using it couldn't be that sophisticated with their technology use.
1: I would have thought it's quite hard to set up, but to access, I imagine it must be quite easy.
0: <laughs> There's probably consulting services offered to to set up your yeah, yeah, your, your Tor we, browser and I'm sure account.
1: people were highly motivated to figure it out. Let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> Um, so the I, I, so like uh, just for clarity I've never used this stuff like these br- these browsers I think it's just a program on your computer though right like anything it's like Google Chrome right or something yeah I, I honestly yeah, much I don't more know. I've never used it. much more anonymous than Google the opposite I don't
0: know whether you need to like have a specific like I don't know if you can do it on Windows or I, I just yeah. don't know anyway I, I no idea. Um, so the site, or sorry, the, this project at the time was inspired by A Lodging of Wayfaring Men, which is very much a book about, um, I believe, a book about this seafaring idea <laughs> uh, or setting up some sort of, you know, recluse society where there's no rules and it's just everyone for their own and Breaking Bad. He was he was like super motivated by. Uh, always go to call him Heisenberg. I Always go to call him Hal because he, he's yeah. just he's Malcolm
1: just Malcolm in the, in the middle? middle to me. How yeah. good is he in that? Oh my goodness! Yeah, that is such I, a good show. I,
0: I still I still don't think that he he topped his Malcolm in the Middle role even after Breaking it's, Bad.
1: He's a great Club. actor to be able to play both those roles, isn't he? Yeah, they're like at polar opposite ends of the scale. I know. <laughs> Seriously. And
0: so, so there's something really important about that Breaking Bad reference, um, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that later on. So he then um, uh, he then spent, I think it was like the next six months uh, building out this building out this site or building out what he wanted to do to to create here this site this marketplace, and he. Whilst he was like trying to, you know, develop that computer game, back when he was, he, he, he's not a, he wasn't a great programmer by the sounds. Like he, the book, the book portrays him as basically being very, very rudimentary in his understanding of, I don't know, programming stuff. Again, I, I'm not technically up with it here, and particularly from a security standpoint, and they almost seem like two mandatory requirements before you kind of move into this type of venture if you will mm. and so eventually you know after this 6 month period of you know trying to trying to scope out and find ways of doing things and and back then like we we have like you know LinkedIn learning or we have Skillshare or any of those many on or YouTube just to to look up how to do basically anything if you want or learn anything. Whereas back then it certainly wasn't like that. He had to find people that he could talk to.
1: Yeah, it's um, it sounds like he kind of hacked it together but I don't know how aware he was that his coding wasn't that good. I think he probably knew he was, but I think he felt like it was secure enough otherwise he wouldn't have gone ahead with it, right?
0: yeah i don't know i don't know uh i know he there was one particular like friend slash tech mentor that he had which he i think he'd met at uni or he'd met at one of the libertarian clubs or something and he he was able to like give him direction and stuff but there was a point at which ross ross was um you know cuz Ross wasn't revealing much about the what he was actually creating and there was there was a point in the in that cycle where the dude was like what are you doing like what are you actually building here you know this is i want to know uh, in fact i'm not giving you any more advice unless you you tell me and so i think yeah. that that kind of ceased the relationship
1: at that point <laughs> fair enough so a lot of this story revolves around um, well, there is kind of interplay between him and his girlfriend, as well, right?
0: Yeah, he. Um, well, he had. I am going to cross wires here of multiple multiple narratives and biographies, but there was there was definitely there was a main a main girlfriend that he had uh, at the time, and she was she was quite became or she she knew. She knew about what was going on. I think because she might have busted him one day, you know, coding up something, and,
1: uh, and she knew yeah, whatever about his it was, drug stash too, from memory. But, uh, it's it, it's uh it's kind of interesting because I think that the author um would have it sounded like he that she was a big source for this book. It sounded to me like. A lot of the information came from from interviewing her. That's what that was my read on it when I um when I read it. So,
0: like you Did mean, you that like,
1: like like the insights she was the source into for- Ross. She was the a source for the book.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. You're probably you're probably right, mate. To be honest, because I don't know where you get those stories otherwise. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And. Although he did keep a diary, he did have like a journal that he kept a lot. You know, it's like that. It's that classic. Yeah, you know, it's almost that story of of hearing the you know the the big mastermind, and always keeping a journal about every single thought that he has. It's almost too good to be you know too good to be true. So yeah.
1: the books written uh, by Nick Bilton, by the way, I don't think we actually gave him any any love at the start. So.
0: No, we didn't. And it's, it's an extremely well-written book. Uh, I, thought, it I thought the narrative reads, was excellent.
1: Oh, my goodness. It's so good. It's, it's edgiest seat stuff, reading this book, yeah.
0: isn't it? He's, um, he's actually... There's a book called Hatching Twitter that he's actually written as well, uh, yeah, which I haven't I've, read.
1: I've read that too. That's exciting as well. It's not quite as good as this one, but it's, it's so interesting. Hey, talking about Twitter... Do you see that it got hacked,
0: or something the other day, while well, we're no, talking about all this technology stuff? I th- and actually this is very relevant. So the I think I think it was yesterday, even or the day before. And where what are we? We're kind of mid mid late July at the moment. So he um, not sure when this episode will be released. That's a disclaimer, but if you if you listening to this yeah so (laughs) (laughs) so we um uh he not he so twitter i was just thinking about jack dorsey yeah he was like you know this was a terrible terrible day or something like like that he wrote uh after the day had finished but basically i think twitter got hacked and to the extent that there was a number like a huge number of high profile uh twitter accounts like i'm talking elon musk bill gates um uh, and they're the only two that i can recall off the top of my head, but a lot of a lot of kind of verified celebrity status people i think even like kanye west was in there maybe as as one of the accounts and with huge followings and basically they all put it and, and business as well i think spotify for example, was 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 hacked their their verified account. And basically all put out this not the same, but a similar type tweet where it was something about, you know, send your, you know, we're feeling generous or something, or we're in light of COVID, we're feeling generous. Uh if you send Bitcoins here, we will double them. <laughs> and for like some charity donation or something like that. Oh God. Uh, you know, and like it looks it looks very sus even just reading it but I, I don't you know and so I, I just wonder whether anyone who's got Bitcoins reading that would have actually donated a bit apparently they it did and so obviously that's a that's a huge breach for something yeah. like as influential as Twitter
1: unbelievable
0: mm. so we we'll, don't know what the outcomes will be of that but yeah I'm sure there'll be some sort of investigation anyway Back on track. So you mentioned you mentioned the drug stash, Loggy.
1: Yeah. So
0: he basically... He wasn't like a druggo as such or he wasn't like a junkie as such. What do no, you mean by drug stash? I don't think he stash? really
1: cared about drugs. He cared about the idea of a f- truly free mm-hmm. market and he wanted to create this thing for the world to show that, you know, um, he said... Uh, I'm creating an economic simulation to give people a first-hand experience of what it would be like to live in a world without the systemic use of force. So he's trying to build this thing to kind of show what it would be like to have a truly free market. But when he launched the site, he needed something to sell on it. Mm. So um, he basically started growing his own mushrooms
0: yeah he like learned how i don't know where he learned it but i think there was like a forum or something he found out how to grow. we're talking we're not talking about portobello mushrooms here we're talking like magic mushrooms and fun time. <laughs> and um so he he basically got to the point where he uh he'd rented out some cheap warehouse which is very like Very Breaking Bad esque uh, as well, and started growing these like supposed very high quality mushrooms because he wanted he only wanted high quality stuff on his on his on his site.
1: So this was February two thousand and eleven.
0: Yes, and I think I think there was actually there was there was nearly a point there along that journey where the whole entire thing. Could have been shut down because like the amount of mushrooms he was growing were, you know, he was going to go to prison for a long, long time uh, if he if he got, you know, busted with that. But I think what happened, there was like a big pipe leak or something one day and uh, basically he, uh, I think his landlord came in or something and found out and said, I'm calling the cops. And so he had to like pull everything out of there as quick as possible and, you yeah, know, make a dash. But so- he made it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that would have stopped quite quickly. I think he's starting to feel a bit stressed about doing that at this point. I think is starting to kind of weigh on him a little, and being the nice suburban boy, but it's very it's for this altruistic cause that he's doing, and you know, it was about by my calculations twenty six, twenty seven at this point, point. and it seems he's going through that kind of phase where a super idealistic phase but a slight rebellious phase too
0: yeah correct mate. i cuz so he he originally kicked kicked the side off and you know it's like a network right and so network effects apply which means that the problem with networks is there's a like a sub threshold or a, you know when you're below the threshold of users or people within or nodes within the network it's useless or it doesn't do anything uh, so he needed to, like he needed an engine to kick it off which was that 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 mushroom farm but that that isn't enough because you actually then you also need to get the word out there you need people to come to actually purchase yeah you know, purchase the the products so he he went via this name or this alias called altoid and basically went around to which I think was the, also the, the first name that he used as the administrator for uh, – it was either that or it was admin, I can't recall, uh, on, the, on the site and basically went around to some forums and posted, you know, hey, have you heard about this? You know, these are on pretty esoteric forums, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Have you heard about this site, you know, that you, know, you can get these really good mushrooms from and, you know, sparked up the conversation there.
1: So this would have felt a bit exciting. You know, he's trying to get this little website off the ground. Um, he's trying to get some customers in the door and it's kind of proving his point that, you know, this thing can exist and it's kind of this utopian market. Um, and the way it actually worked was essentially you'd, you'd go on, it was like an eBay for whatever the hell you wanted almost. Um which seemed to get more extreme the longer it went on. Um, But mainly for drugs. So you could go on and you could click around and say, oh, yes, I'd have heroin, please. And you click on and it would have reviews from users like you would on Amazon. And then you would buy it using your Bitcoin and, you know, however that transaction occurred through, you know, the website. I don't know, but... I assume it's a little bit more complicated than getting your PayPal account <laughs> logged into, but anyhow, it was quite efficient, and and then you'd get posted the product essentially. It'd yeah. Turn up so in, your in the mail. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is which is uh, which is where it was kind of grasped onto by some of the first. So obviously, after the launch, um, you know, eventually, you know, the wheel got moving you know, the engine, the engine room started, started kicking off. And then, uh, because of the review system, it encouraged kind of you know, good drug dealers to essentially come onto the, onto the platform. Yeah. You know, uh, good air quotes, um, to try and sell, sell their wares, um, which kind of got things going.
1: Yeah. So, um, it's kind of works like any other two sided marketplace you can see on the internet now, um, but you know it's a truly unique product. So it didn't take long before people were very interested in this, and when they realised it actually worked and it was anonymous, the floodgates opened.
0: <laughs> That's it, and I, th- I think I think it's worthwhile, mate. Like we we've mentioned, you know, like Bitcoin and tour and all this stuff like this is a pretty incredible feat going back you know like a decade ago now to to put this together from someone who's not not in that field you know or hasn't had a professional life in software
1: development or something you know quite incredible and so he it's interesting it's kind of that classic story of innovation that it was the perfect time for it you know You had these emerging technologies that allowed something like this to occur that could never have occurred previously at scale. Um, You know, Bitcoin, this really was a massive, which we can get into a bit later, it actually launched the growth of Bitcoin significantly, just this website, Uh, this kind of anonymous browsing and then the, the internet itself, even the probably... The kind of FedEx-style mail was played a played a part too, you know.
0: Fast deliveries, next day Mm -hmm. delivery.
1: So it, it was just the right time for Ross to come along. Yeah, I. So okay, here's
0: here's a question for you, mate. At what point? Because he had, you know, he had good intentions. You know he had really um, he wanted to do good and the whole the whole thing that he wanted to set out to to achieve was uh, you know like create a world where you know there wasn't shoot ups to you know mm-hmm. over buying and selling drugs that it you know that it was it was a non-issue um you know it was something you could go to the store or whatever you know to to buy i think the i think the 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 big kind of Flagship mission was he wanted the he wanted to change the world so much that him talking about the selling of drugs wasn't a you know a a wasn't an, an offence or wasn't something that you do you know in trusted circles or something like that you know and so at what point along his journey, mate, do you think that he lost? or lost way or, you know, that he kind of diverged too hard, that he became too idealistic or, you know, where, where do you think that that happened?
1: I mean, there's... I don't really want to spoil too much of this, but <laughs> it's hard to pick the exact point. I mean, there's a couple of really big mm. flagstone moments where it clearly crosses a line. But I think that um, it depends what lens you look at this through. I mean, there could be some arguments that it did some good. Uh, Some people would probably argue. Uh, I think that it did more bad than good, uh, personally. But in terms of his evolution, I think he just kind of spiraled into his own thoughts about it and justifications around it. And then when he created his alter ego, it things really got going, you know, <laughs> I feel like maybe that's where it started to go wrong. Yeah. All right. So,
0: yeah, I think, I think from the, cause it seemed, ra- you know, I don't want to say this, but it to some degree there was like, it wasn't as harmful. And then it kind of, things kind of progressed and as you said, spiraled to some degree.
1: Yeah, it scaled quickly and, 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 and things got a bit out of control um, faster than he thought. And then he kind of became a hero, you know, of this community. And, um, and then he started to go, get, let it get to his head. And mm. um, I wonder what he thinks about it today. Uh, that's one of the questions I, he- I was left with.
0: Okay. Let's, let's touch that later. Cause it's gonna, cause I, I reckon there's, there's actually, let's keep there's a, yeah. So shortly after, obviously um, it started attracting some attention and, you know, you get start getting the DEA and all these, there's all these other various characters involved in the story, you know, have a quite a prominent role in, in this case to try and, find out and shut down this thing. But it was basically this elusive beast that you could never catch because of the anonymity that was built into the, into the technology itself. It was
1: super good. solid. Like, yeah, you know, full branches of the special agents trying to fi- crack into this thing. Really watertight, even with Ross's shitty coding skill. But yeah. they didn't actually realise it was much of a thing for quite a while until the, the agents started to pick up some weird stuff in the post. And it took a while for some people to convince others that this was actually a, a thing that we should that should really be paid attention to. And in that time, he was able to build more of a team around him that plugged a lot of the holes in his own code base.
0: Yeah. Well, the, F, the FBI, mate, said that, so there was all these agencies like the FBI eventually got involved, which, you know, which meant that there was all these local police jurisdictions involved. There was the DEA, which is the Drug Enforcement Agency in America, involved numerous, numerous different agencies. Uh, the IRS even got involved, which mm-hmm. is like you know, equivalent of the Australian ATO. Uh, Wanting
1: to but the FBI the taxes. said,
0: yeah, the tax man. So... The Silk Road, this is what the FBI said, the Silk Road emerged as the most sophisticated and extensive criminal marketplace on the internet at the time, serving as a sprawling black market bazaar. Like for for the FBI to say that means that it must be just incredibly well put together. So just to emphasize that. But what I wanted to say here, mate, was that I was... I was almost like flabbergasted, or to some some degree, like disgusted in just the bureaucracy that went on mm. between all oh. these different departments, uh, which they go into in the story. It's totally Absolutely dysfunctional.
1: Dysfunctional, yeah.
0: And like to the to the extent that, um, the, there's all this like poaching of you know poaching of the of the crime you know it's like i want this we want this job you know no we we this job is ours you know
1: and it's like a tv different- <laughs> it's like on tv you know
0: yeah it's it. to be honest like it's a disgrace because it doesn't it doesn't do any good You know, maybe maybe the only good it does is created a, like a bit of like a competitiveness you know for, to try and solve the case but mm. but there's no way overall the that it can be good for the outcome to try and actually like, what's the, what are we actually trying to do here?
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And uh, yeah, a lot of people tried to crack this case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For a so the, I, I, I remember throughout it, there was, so I think it was the, the Baltimore um, police jurisdiction were the ones that kind of originally started building this case up and, you know, and being passionate because there's one guy in there that was super passionate about it and he just wanted to kind of solve this. And I remember like the Chicago police force coming in one day and they came in with, you know, all their seniors and they came in with like their chief attorney and like, like, like you would for like a proper lawsuit or something. And, and basically tried to like jostle, you know, strong arm the Baltimore police guys off the case and say, we're taking this on, this is ours type thing. And you're just, you're just shocked. You're just like, why can't, why can't they work together? But I think, I think the problem is much more structural than that where it's, you know, the, the, the police, you know, the agency that solves it gets the, gets the loot, you know, gets the funding or whatever it is
1: seems to be institutionalized and something to do with incentives.
0: Yeah, correct, mate. Uh, but it just didn't, yeah, it just didn't sound like, it didn't sound like a good place to be. And, you know, there was a lot of, there was a pretty like bad culture, not just within the individual departments themselves, but like as an overall kind of ecosystem. And uh, eventually they, uh they kind of came together uh, as a little bit more of a group. And you notice that's where some progress actually happens. And uh, this is where you get the IRS and what they have working together with the FBI and, and all the other departments and and starting to make progress. But it was just yeah, mind blowing mate. but it made me think about, so in the, in the pursuit of, uh trying to get this site and shut it down there was two particular agents Uh one was called Carl and one was called uh, Sean and I think they were the two agents that they also had like aliases on the on the Silk Road because this is some of the tactics they were employing to you know try and catch it but they decided <laughs> yeah
1: so yeah. um so but I think we'll get into this, but Ross had essentially a team that he'd chat with um, and there's a lot of logs of him talking talking to people on the site. Um, and I think one of these guys actually got into an admin position on the site at some point.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think it was Nub. I think that, that was the, the name of, of this guy. And he, he was like one of, one of Ross's closest confidants So very, yeah, and, but there's no way, it's quite interesting because they're like talking to one another, but there's no possible way for them to know who each other is. And, you know, I think Ross became quite paranoid. So because of, because of how well the site or how successful the site was, uh, meant that he needed to hire more and more people. And yeah, the revenue was skyrocketing and he had like a community of people a huge marketplace to kind of deal with, and and things moved very very fast. Uh,
1: you could tell why this was such a interesting um, case for people is because I'm not sure in any other way has such a huge criminal enterprise kind of happened in broad daylight. So, like you know, if you had the right tools, you could go onto this site and just see this. It's like setting up a um, market in the middle of the town square and everyone going and buying illegal goods from it but no one can do anything or see the people's faces that are buying the stuff or selling. Mm. Um, well, it's quite unique in that way.
0: It is. It is It is hugely unique and, and not just that, mate, but it's not even maybe necessarily set up in the middle of the marketplace. It's the postman is dropping off to you, you know? Yeah. The the postman will give it to you. You don't even have to worry about getting, going out. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, So obviously during the explosion of the site, there was, uh, he was neglecting his, his, you know, his real life. or his out of work life, I should say. And, you know, he obviously had a few different cover stories and I think he, I think he had like a mix of cover stories, which I don't understand. I don't know why he just wouldn't have one cover story, but he liked to make things more stressful by the sounds. And you mentioned his, um, his partner. And I, I think they're effectively, they were going to get married or, you know, have kids is what it sounded like. And, uh, she basically obviously had said that you need to part ways with it, so whatever happened he he obviously wasn't going to part ways with it, but he he eventually told her that he did, and he got rid of it and he I think they moved moved apart to some degree because their relationship had distanced so much, but you know they were still very, very you know tight friends uh, as a result and this at this point in time here this is when ross made a a bigger move on the website itself because he wanted to make it seem as though the entire website had you know changed hands you know just just for like trail a trail of records and things so this is where he created a new alias called dread pirate roberts drp so Mm, scary Mm. (laughs) and so (laughs) this the DRP people loved it yeah people loved it people lapped it up and no one really knew if if uh, if it was Ross or not except for like there was one or two of the closest confidants I think that were that were in the mix that still knew it was the same person might have just been one actually which I think was that Variety Jones character yeah
1: Those two were were the brothers in arms.
0: Yes, and so this this character is inspired by uh, the Princess Bridge, which is about you know basically this this pirate who's feared across the seven seas for his ruthlessness and what who they or who this. Pirate actually was was actually a series of individuals, so it was never one person. So it kind of added added to this elusiveness of the of the it's character a bit itself.
1: coiny, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's very it's very anonymous. So, and this is when things started like inflecting hugely for the both for the business and then obviously for the the trailblazers of the the you know, various government agencies and international government agencies for pursuing them. So, yeah.
1: I think it was um the Princess Bride, actually.
0: Sorry, the Princess yeah. Bride. You're right. You are right. I yeah. don't know why. I've actually got bridge written there. Should be bride. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All good. So, yeah, this is where he sort of took on this alter ego and became a almost a fictional hero. He came a bit larger than life online and he'd talk a lot about in rhetoric about his beliefs and why the site exists and this sort of stuff. People lapped it up and he developed this kind of support network with the other person, Variety Jones, and, you know, they could bounce off one another and he had kind of a partner, a business partner to affect. Correct,
0: mate. And you know these guys actually had no idea who they who they were, who each other was. On purpose, is, yeah, yeah, on purpose. And can you like? What, what's also impressive about this is it, it sounded like a relatively like s- strong business as well, not just the technological aspect, but in terms of how the business was run. Um. To, But he had no real business mentors. It was just these this kind of esoteric group of confidants that he that he was able to talk talk -hmm. with about how to fix or change things, you know? Whereas a lot lot of you know a lot of business owners and things uh have proper mentors. You know, even even I mentioned Sudog earlier. He had so many mentors along the way to help him and guide him through.
1: It just would have been so difficult. To have this secret,
0: yeah, you know? the running of two two stories, or in his case, probably more than that, because he yeah. overcomplicated
1: it. So, you know, this is around getting into sort of two thousand and thirteen, a couple of years after launch. And it's really starting to build some momentum, huh?
0: Yeah, this is, but and this is also the point where it's you know it's almost getting reported on daily because you know there's. Either sadly, some really bad cases. I think there's one in Western Australia of a you know a high school boy who you know basically jumped off a balcony because of some synthetic drug from China. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is this is the real ugly side that you you don't really kind of see at first glance. You know, thinking about thinking about that and and the kind of the philosophy behind it. Um. Yeah. Not to mention all the other the other issues.
1: And because it was, it's starting to get hacked as well, you know? Yeah. It's it's a, what a great target to be for hackers. This kind of thing.
0: Well, you've got, you've got the, you've got the, you know, some extremely esoteric technology working and you've got, you know, probably all the people who have, you know, the most technical knowledge in that probably trying to, trying to, Find a way into it, and trying to pull out ways to to get a hold of different bits of information, which was part of the part of like the downfall of you know uh, eventually when when this collaboration of departments and things came together. So the first person, just quickly jumping through a few of these these you know hard facts here, mate. The the first person to become convicted of crimes was actually in australia in february 2013 associated with silk road uh, which was a pretty big thing i don't know how they how they did that uh and 2013 you know you mentioned that there was starting to be security flaws. i think there was this what they call a ddos attack which i think is just sending endless requests to a to a website and eventually you overload it but I don't think you can normally sustain it for too long. Whereas this was like a sustained DDoS attack, which sounded quite coordinated and mm. whatever, but it only took, I mean, took it down briefly and they were able to get it back going. By, by June, 2013, um, I think there'd been an IP address leak uh, because of- Which would make a lot of, of
1: people nervous.
0: Yeah. And so that IP leak uh, came from like some minor update that was done on putting a capture, you know, those things that you, you know, select the traffic lights or type in this word type thing to, you know, on websites when you sign up. It was because they'd implemented that and then left some breadcrumb or something, you know, along the way and there was an IP address that basically linked the real server to Iceland. And so the FBI was able to to get a hold of this and they eventually got the server, um, which on its own merit wasn't enough, by the way, which is just super fascinating.
1: Yeah, it kind of decentralized it enough to, for that not to kind of hurt him too much.
0: Yeah. But the strategy you know, they
1: actually used to catch him was quite interesting in the end. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you remember Gary Alford, the, the IRS guy?
1: That's right. He's the real detail guy, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is a guy that read things three times. <laughs> like everything, everything he read, he read three times.
1: Yeah. It's the kind of thing you'd imagine an IRS agent doing if he's in the IRS, you know. Very uniquely um, probably you need to have that kind of personality to solve this case, I think. You need to try and find, go through everything with such a fine-tooth comb that you can. But it needed kind of a combination of personalities and that's why it probably took so long because no one from these different areas felt like working together.
0: Correct. They all had their own pieces of the story, mate. So like... Uh, I think it sounded like what the FBI had in. So eventually they got, um, they got a hold of the Iceland company that was hosting the server and, you know, were able to get a hold of it and get the password from the Iceland company to get onto it. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, which I think gave them, them the, you know, the kind of the strongest bit of, bit of stuff. But the issue was, uh, I don't think there was anything actually on the server that kind of linked it to who the owner was. And as soon the, the the problem is, as soon as the uh, you know, as soon as it the, kind of the FBI were to give away that they'd got a hold of the server or that it was you know vulnerable, then obviously the people running it, being Ross in this case, would have just moved it somewhere else or you know changed everything and, and moved somewhere else. So they couldn't They couldn't kind of shut it down, you know, mm. but it just meant that they could kind of get deeper access into things. And this is incredible because th- there is millions of dollars going through the site almost on a daily basis, I think, by this point in time.
1: It is absolutely pumping. We'll get into a few of the stats towards the end, but... This is a big business, a really big business, and there's a lot of money at stake. And Ross, by this stage, is a very rich man.
0: Yeah, mind you, he's he's still he's still walking around in the same jeans that you know his his girlfriend bought him like two years prior when they were first started dating, and you know he he hasn't changed the way he lives. He's living in a pretty basic apartment, you know. Not much in there except for his, you know, computer. I, I don't. He was a pretty minimalist type guy. Mm. Uh, so the IRS agent that we mentioned, he this was this is quite incredible. So he, in terms of like problem solving, he was um, trying to put his like put his like frame of mind, put his perspective in that of of other criminals from the past like really kind of sophisticated criminals and so there was there was a serial killer known as uncle sam and basically this this uncle sam guy would go to a crime scene uh oh sorry he would commit these murders right and he committed them all over the place and never left a trace of of anything to do with Identity and no one was ever able to find out. There was no connection between the different types of, you know, murders he was committing, I don't think. So um, what they ended up doing was uh, the people investigating thought, well, if you're kind of halfway through, you know, committing this, committing this act, you're not really going to go out and pay for extra parking, you know, midway through, you know, after, after doing it. So they ended up looking at cars that had had parking tickets in areas nearby to the crime at the time of the crime and eventually kind of pinpointing one particular car that, that just had a couple in, you know, a few of the different places. And they used that as like a, uh, you know, the, um, the trigger to go well let's get let's just go check it out and so basically i think they knocked on the guy's door yeah who it was and you yeah, know, ready just to just to do some questioning and he opens the door he's like took years long enough or something like that you know just in this kind of uh, psychotic manner you know but what it inspired inspired this this gary alpha guy to do the same thing and what he was what he did is he kind of framed up when was this first mentioned, you know, on the internet? Because he thought that at some point in time, it had to be, it had to have been mentioned. Mm-hmm. And what he discovered was this esoteric forum and found Altoid, the username used on this esoteric forum, right? And, and this is where you're like, well, you know, cause he he wanted to find the original cases. And we haven't mentioned that there were so many suspects, like there'd been endless, endless suspects of who would have possibly done this. And yeah, particularly, particularly people who are not, uh, of Ross's kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. People that are actually heavily involved in criminal organizations or have outspoken views and, uh, in software for a start, you know, to, to have done this. And, uh, they ended up going on this forum. I think the, he used his, you know, his, his abilities at the IRS to ask for just the data on that particular user, right? And this was data from you know, a few years prior, a couple of years prior. And in that account name, there was a deleted email address which had the name Ross Ulbricht at gmail.com. Yeah, it wasn't the actual wasn't the actual email address but it was like a deleted email address on this data which yeah. you know which was so just they, so happened to still be on the database
1: so they knew it was so early that he must be at least a suspect and likely involved
0: that's it that's it but it was very much a case of you know wow
1: every,
0: everyone anyone could have or except for except for you know uh, seizing the data itself anyone could have asked those those questions to get to that to get to that end and the, the the thing is that I think Ross's name had actually popped up in another uh, another one of the departments or agencies but it was essentially dismissed because they're like definitely not the profile of, of our guy you know and because they were turning up so many suspects that it was disregarded so um, long story short <laughs> mate, he 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 was arrested in October, 2013. And again, the bureaucracy just played right to the end, like <laughs> right until the end, which is hilarious. So the the idea was they had to catch him on the computer and logged in to try and like really
1: prove, you know, prove There's guilt. There's no other way to really properly prove it, you know. Um, and he had like a bunch of getaway plans and, things that he kind of, you know, was ready to kind of pull the trigger on if he had to. So, you know, where he could kind of wipe everything and this kind of stuff. So they really had to sort of
0: be yeah, very like careful a kill- about how
1: they caught him.
0: There was like a button on his computer that had been programmed that if he tapped it, everything just like encrypted or got wiped or whatever. So mm. it was all, it was all set up, ready to go. But, um, the the local jurisdiction had to make the arrest, and they had in this their mind that Ross was this you know like big drug kingpin because by this point in time uh, he had been there'd been murders, there'd been guns and weapons and explosives and different things being sold although it wasn't super successful <laughs> uh, there wasn't a great deal sold but there were still things sold. I think it was just, just getting going and, you know, obviously a huge, increasingly huge drug trade that was uh, being performed through the site. And so they had to get him on the computer logged in and obviously if a SWAT team enters your house and you're the, you know, the dread pirate Roberts, what's the first thing you're going to do as soon as you hear that?
1: Hit the kill you know, hit, switch,
0: baby. Hit, hit the special button. So... um I think it was Agent Tarbell at the FBI was like, "We cannot let this happen." So basically, they, they, they kind of like jumped ahead by a day, had found out where where you know Ross was hanging out for that day, which just happened to be in a library in San Francisco, and uh, they'd kind of set up this this ploy that they were going to do, um, where they had like some some lady sit down opposite him in the library. And normally he was very suspect of anyone sitting near him, but she was looked harmless. She was sitting on the opposite side of the table and whatever else. Um And I think they had two other agents go in and, and act like they were having a domestic fight in the library. And so one of them like punched the other in the jaw and Classic it was enough for Ross to kind of, yeah, Ross to like look over to his left or his right or something. Sorry for anyone that actually wants to read this. And um, the other one reached a- over, grabbed the laptop. So the lady that was sitting opposite grabbed the laptop, pulled it back uh, off him. And as Ross had turned back around, he was like tried to reach out to grab his laptop because he saw it going away. And then by that time, the other two agents had come over got and got him. So, and they got him. They got him logged in not just to the site but into like. Two of the like there was two levels deep or something for the administrators.
1: So they got they got the works. Got it. So by this stage in two years, the site had done about was doing about $1.2 billion worth of revenue and producing profits of around $80 million. That's big. That's big. And there was an interesting effect because they were trading in Bitcoin on the site, Ross was collecting a heap of Bitcoin. And because more people wanted to use the Bitcoin, the price of the Bitcoin was going up. So he was kind of getting this double bounce from increasing the popularity of Bitcoin at the same time. Mm. Um, And this was after he'd been hacked and all this stuff stolen from him and but you see this kind of dark progression of okay, we'll sell some drug, we'll sell some mushrooms. Oh, we'll sell some cocaine. Yeah, well, heroin's on there now. Now there's weapons on there. Then he's getting enemies. Then he decides he wants to order hits and organizes a bunch of killings, none of which I yeah. believe to have actually taken place.
0: This is the thing with the kill with the killings, right? Is they were like tra- traitors. So, um, one of them was like his close confidants who actually somehow, somehow the FBI found this guy or one of the agencies found this guy. And, uh, I think they essentially like tortured him and got some information out of him. And then one of the agents got a hold of. His computer that I mentioned earlier, one of the corrupt cops who uh, got a hold of his computer and stole a ton of these bitcoins like, you know, a lot of money's worth of bitcoins. Um, and because this guy had not just got arrested but he'd stole like he disappeared, so because he was arrested, but he had stolen like you know, millions of dollars in bitcoins, that's where Ross is like. I need to punish him for some, you know, punish him for this, and because of the characters that he was having around him as his closest confidants, you know, including like the Hell's Angels, for example, um, the advice, the advice wasn't probably the uh, the most lenient of advice, mm. <laughs> and so that was his initial kind of decision to, you know, basically place a hit on this 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 person. It's pretty scary.
1: Yeah, the quiet, the quiet college kid, huh? Mm. So effectively, they shut it down once they caught him. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think they um, what I read is they they plug a USB in, and it was able to capture all the main files. I don't know. I don't really understand again the technology, it, but basically they needed to plug something in so that they could try and download as much as they possibly could from the computer, so they could. You know, one attribute him to being that person, and um, to get a you know deeper understanding and shut the shut the actual site down. And they had like you know all this special like big semi trailers set up out the front, or eventually set up out the front, full of FBI you know agents and things operating in it with special plugs and whatever to to try and extract information from the computer. But I think now. There's been you know subsequently there was like technologies you know kill switches again developed that any unknown thing that's plugged into you, your computer now will wipe the whole thing or encrypt the whole thing. So um, And the reason the thing about encrypting was that you know with the right encryption, it would take the the best computers in the world a hundred years to try and crack the code or crack into just just that file, for example. And they obviously didn't have that time.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so what mm. happened to him? Well, he, um, yeah, he went through a trial and um, the reason it's called the American Kingpin is because there's, there's one special, uh, actually just pull back slightly. They originally offered him, you know, I think it was like 10 years, do 10 years in prison. But, you know, he, him and his lawyer thought that they could get off, you know, cause he didn't think that they knew so much about it. And they didn't think that they had already had the server. And he thought that some of his, you know, kill switches and things would have prevented certain things happening, which didn't really work. And so uh, plus there was a number of, you know, witnesses and things and there was a number of um uh testimonies come in from families that have died you know that had kids that had died and stuff you know all the really sad sad realities of it all and so they ended up because he because he said no you know i'm not guilty yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna fight this basically the the prosecution decided to make a real example of him. So they basically pushed for all these uh, sentences, um, including the most – sounded like the most reserved sentence for um, what's known as the kingpin or the kingpin sentence, which is basically uh, for the head mobster of, you know, full-blown criminal organisations. And so they tried to get him on It says
1: something about our time that the greatest – drug dealer in the last 20 years has been a kid with a laptop Mm. So the power of technology
0: yeah we watched uh watched scarface the other day tell you (laughs) what he acts a lot different to that guy (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) so he ended up basically getting a sentence that will mean he'll never leave jail yeah i think it was it was multiple life sentences I don't know. it feels a bit harsh to me. Like, yeah, I'm not saying you necessarily should get out, but this is a real, you know, life plus 40 years plus no parole. Uh, people so there, <laughs> mass murderers there, get lean, more leniency than that. But effectively, yeah, there, he probably was, in some ways, you know I mean well, he they couldn't they the couldn't actually
0: connect and stuff. Yeah, they couldn't actually connect any of those five, those five hits that he he'd ordered. Um, But there was the intent there, which is a start. But also, um, they couldn't yeah couldn't prove that actually any of those murders actually took place at all. Uh, But again, the anonymity was just made things just so difficult to prove to prove stuff. So, uh, but, but it sounds like he got scanned by the hell's angels. Uh, and they just sent him photos of, you know, because they had to send photos as evidence. And it uh. sounds like he got scammed with other people. Um, but, yeah, he got he got some sentence about, you know, no chance for parole. And it's like life plus 40 years was the, was the eventual sentence. So, which at the moment he's currently sitting in U.S. penitentiary in Tuscan, Arizona. So... Probably got COVID. Uh, there's been multiple, <laughs> maybe. There's been multiple appeals, and you know to the highest level because because the the case originally went to the highest, I think, to the Supreme Court in in the states, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, um, yeah straight to there, and and um, same with the appeals, but obviously uh, the appeals have been denied. Um, and Variety Jones, which is his sidekick. Uh, is still, I think they eventually caught him, you know, it took like five more years or something for him to actually catch him or get extradited to the States. And now I think he's now going under uh, prosecution as we speak.
1: Jeez. it's Crazy. A, it's full on, isn't it? So what a story. And, and the book really reads like a thriller. And I think read it because even though you've, you kind of know the story anyway. Definitely spoil There's so much more to it, you know. Um, and it's just fascinating to see his evolution and how quickly this thing grew to be so huge.
0: Yeah, um, well, mate, I, I knew that he had been arrested or whatever, you know, going into the book. I knew that they'd busted him and it was a big case, but that didn't ruin any of the the, the book for me. It was just such a... Uh, it was such a, gr- it was really a great story, and it would be awesome. It'd be great to see him in something a little bit more uh, legal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it comes down to: do you think? Yeah, like he's obviously. Did he get lucky, or did he? Is he a genuine entrepreneurial genius? I think we, he's- we may not know. He's certainly a very intelligent person. It's interesting how you- that intelligence can kind of lead you to get stuck inside your own mind to justify things that are far, pretty far away from where you started.
0: Yeah, well, I think one of the big takeaways, mate, is the you know it really is that importance of who you have around you, you know, and who you hear advice from because you know if you if you're sitting in a cone of silence. Uh, about ideas and things, then I, I, how 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 are you ever going to see maybe the other side or see that you you'd become completely deluded in in the mission you are on?
1: You end up in an echo chamber. of your Correct, but that's good. That's a really good point. But look, and this is one of the most incredible crime stories of our time. I did not. In- did not realize how crazy it got until yeah, I read this yeah. book. What what um,
0: what do you think are like some of the big big takeaways for you, mate, out of this one? Cause I mean we've we've have touched on a lot of the narrative of this one, but we haven't dissected it as much. What what do you think are some of the big takeaways?
1: I think that you're ethics get chipped away at one small piece at a time is the big one and i think we talked about this when we did bad blood too that there isn't some great moment where you have to make a choice between the right and the wrong and you turn evil it seems to be this slow atrophy in tiny steps and if you don't stop it you keep going down that road and you keep justifying it and And um, all of a sudden you're the dread pirate Roberts. But to me he also kind of relished that too. So there was certain the power got to him a little too so it's not quite as simple as that I think Uh, as perhaps was with Elizabeth Holmes but that's the main thing for me is just to see his kind of degradation and how he justified doing some pretty, pretty shitty things
0: yeah do do you think it's like that that slippery slope thing
1: cropping up again yeah and be careful of the things you can you do in the you know in in the i'm using my air quotes again you know for those
0: so many appearances this episode
1: (laughs) oh now i've forgotten what i was going to say but i think it was (laughs) along the lines of you know beware of what you're going to do in the in the service of doing good, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, there's been many, there's been many, many causes in history, mate, of, you know, seeking what is right or seeking the better or for the greater good. And turns out most of them that you hear about are actually pretty
1: bad. Um, The the lessons from history quote was nothing is surer than the, the people uh, who are fighting for the change becoming the thing that they fought to change in the first place, paraphrasing. There's definitely a yep. bit of that with old Ross. He got, he became quite a, uh, you know, an iron-fisted leader of this community.
0: Yeah, autocrat. Yeah. And he became like the opposite, opposite of what he was what he was seeking to some degree, which is
1: although super his fascinating. His system was still open, the, the way he kind of, dealt with dissidents and stuff would be something I'm not sure he'd be too too proud of I'm fascinated to just understand his mindset I'd love to see an interview with him a few years on you know mm-hmm. what is he oh, I do wonder whether he I'm sure he regrets being in jail but he was he was uh, I can't help but think that he hasn't changed his mind around. His love of libertarianism yeah
0: mm. uh, well as you you know as you said like yeah I, i'm sure he's sorry now and there's a there's a website called freeross.org um which has been set up by i think by his family you know to try and get him out because of the harsh sentence and this surprisingly or maybe not surprisingly there's some pretty big names on there you know I think Noam Chomsky says it's a shocking miscarriage of justice. Um, You know, most people recognize Chomsky as, as being like an anarchist or anti-establishment esque, uh, although uh, quite, you know, quite prominent, intelligent intellectual. Uh, So regardless of if you disagree with his, his perspectives. So it's, no doubt he's sorry because of what his circumstances have now led to. But, you know, if he hadn't have been caught, he would still be doing his thing.
1: You know? I, I tend to agree. So, yeah. Do you have any uh, final words for us around this book? I think we really just wanted to lay out the narrative in this one and because yeah it does kind of speak for itself in many ways
0: yeah I think you're right the the, the the biggest one as I said mate for me was definitely about you know the taking taking care about who who you who you spend your time with and getting your ideas from and make sure it's like a diversity of, of thought I think that was the biggest one because if you get trapped in that echo chamber that's when that's when problems arise even no, no matter how altruistic the yeah you know, the ambition is there's and I think there's also something yeah
1: mm. something about this kind of time in this adolescence or it's not he's not an adolescent is he but that time in your 20s or when you're a late teenager it's mm. an interesting time I mean reading into the wild is kind of quite fascinating too about that guy's life and how he kind of had a different extreme sort of path um that there's something this kind of call to adventure that can really derail you in that time i think
0: yeah it's like i I wish you'd found a a purpose or a a mission that was just wasn't that didn't lead him down that particular path because he would have done some incredible stuff. And it's, I don't know whether he's able, you know, in, in the years that he's going to spend in prison now, uh, presumably for the next rest of his life. Uh, and he's 36. So that's, there's a long time potentially. I, I wonder whether he'll be able to do it, do much, you know,
1: mm.
0: now, and it's, it's a it really is a, a wasted, yeah, you know, waste a bit of, you know, talent and yeah, know, energy. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't start a big drug marketplace. Is the uh, do something else? Yeah, do something else. That's the. Uh, I think that was the lesson learned out of that one, mate. So, I think that's um, that's a wrap. Thanks, mate. Awesome narrative. Thanks Thank for you. sharing. Yeah. No worries, and don't forget, everyone uh, that is still listening, you can find full video from our episodes on YouTube. So go Please check, check, it, check out.
1: it out. That's it. Thanks, mate. We'll see, see you ya. next time.